Welcome to another edition of Sci-Fi with Jesse Mercury. This week I had the incredible opportunity to talk to a couple people involved with The Fifth Passenger, an upcoming indie sci-fi feature film. We're going to get to that in just a few minutes. Before we do, huge, huge sci-fi news today. Last night, the new trailer for The Force Awakens dropped uh, during Monday Night Football, and you could see it online shortly after that. And it was a sight to behold. I, <laughs> I don't even know what to say about this trailer. I mean, one, one viewing and there was tears running down my face. And I felt so silly because we've all been through this before. We've all had new Star Wars before. We got The Phantom Menace and it was a steaming pile of bantha poodoo. Ah, I just feel, I just feel so crazy where this new movie's coming out and I, I want to see it more than I've ever wanted to see anything. And just seeing a little bit of footage from it just ah, just made me feel so crazy. I mean, I felt like I was completely out of control of my emotions. It's not even like that much happened in the trailer, but just hearing them say anything about the Force and about how someone might have the Force just made me cry. And then just seeing the the stormtroopers made me cry and just seeing the TIE fighters in space. And I was like, oh, God, it's so beautiful. <laughs> so excited. Uh, I tried to pick up some tickets online on Cinerama, which is the best theater in Seattle. I tried to grab them immediately, but the website broke. So we'll see how that goes. But man, I mean, it's actually happening. I think the biggest thing that struck me when I watched the trailer yesterday is that I'm really interested in these new characters. It's not just seeing Han Solo and Princess Leia and Luke Skywalker when we finally get to see his face, which at this point will not be until we see the film itself. I'm really interested in Daisy Ridley's character and John Boyega's character. I can't wait to see who they are and how they fit into this world. Uh, BB-8 was in a X-Wing. That was cool. I, I kept thinking, you know, did they have to make a bigger droid hole for BB-8 to fit in there because he's got a rounder bottom than, than R2-D2? <laughs> I'm, I'm making weird hand gestures that you can't see as I'm talking about this. Long story short, if you haven't seen the new Force Awakens trailer, do yourself a goddamn favor and go watch it. Anyway, let's get into the meat and potatoes of this episode. As I teased last week and the week before, I have people that worked on The Fifth Passenger here to talk to me today. Uh, we did this conversation via Skype because they're in L.A. and I'm in Seattle, so that would have been difficult to, to yell that far. Uh, I originally told you I was going to have four people on the show this week, but that actually changed at the last minute, and it changed for the better. Instead of doing one big conversation with all four of them, we're going to split it up into separate conversations. So this week, I have Morgan Lariya and Scott Baker. They are the writers of the movie. Morgan is the lead actress, and Scott is the director. Next week, I will have Manu Entereme. He and I already recorded our conversation, and it was... Excellent. Uh, it was so great. He's such an interesting guy, and I can't wait to share that with you. At the end of the episode today, I'll have a little sneak peek of what's coming up next week. Uh, Hanahate was not able to join us at the last second, and we are trying to arrange a day coming up sometime soon for us to record a conversation. I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but I have my fingers crossed that Hanahate will still be coming on the show. But fear not, because what I have for you today is excellent. A really great conversation between Morgan, Scott, and I about The Fifth Passenger and what it means to them, where they were coming from, the sort of creative process that was involved in making this film. My favorite part of the conversation is when we start to talk about their differing views on the nature of humanity and what would happen in a survival situation, which is what the movie's going to be about. So to have two people with wildly differing views on that writing one movie together that sounds like solid gold to me. I was already excited to see this movie after talking to these fine people. I am just way more excited. Can't even tell you. Way more excited. And they're just lovely people. They were so great to chat with. Well, let's get into that conversation. And oh, also, at the end of the episode today, I have another work in progress for you of Cosmic Child, my new synth pop song. I had some great feedback. Uh, people said they loved hearing the work in progress before. So I've done quite a bit since then, and I'm going to share it with you at the end of today's episode. Okay, enough of me talking at you. Let's check out Scott Baker and Morgan Lariah from The Fifth Passenger. Here we go. Scott Baker and Morgan Lariah. 
the writers of The Fifth Passenger, Scott also the director, and Morgan the lead actress. Very, very exciting. Thank you guys so much for joining me. Thank yeah, you so much for having, having us. us. Yeah, it's great yeah. to be here. Yeah. <laughs> this is my first ever uh, remote podcast. I usually sit next to people, so this is oh. very futuristic. Uh, I feel uh-huh. like I'm. I feel like I'm in Star Trek right now. It's very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> we are. We're in the future right now. Yeah, you guys are actually not just remote, but also in the future. So yeah, <laughs> I know you bent space and time to be here. I really appreciate. Right, it. Right, right. We are. We are talking to people in the future right now. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> not just for posterity, but to the future. So tell me right. a little bit about uh, the Fifth Passenger. I. I heard about this movie about six or seven months ago, and I'm really excited about it. Give me a little synopsis of what this movie's about. Okay, well, it's, um, it's about five people in an escape pod after their spaceship blows up. So it's this uh, lifeboat in space scenario. Um, but, but the catch is that the, the pod is only meant for four people. Uh, so obviously people are going to be fighting amongst themselves over the remaining resources and who gets to stay and things like that. And then we throw in a deadly alien creature to the mix. Ooh. So, yeah. And uh, yeah, the great thing about it is is we have these awesome uh, sci-fi actors, uh, especially Star Trek cast that, that you know people know of. Um, Marina Sirtis, Tim Russ, Armin Shimmerman, Manu Interime, Doug Jones, Hana Hate, um, and, and a whole host of also other non uh science fiction actors that 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 people are going to enjoy but but to be able to work with these like star trek actors in this this science fiction film is makes it makes it a pretty exciting project yeah for sure i mean that's how it kind of came into my radar is just by seeing all these big names that i love and recognize uh showing up in this new movie and morgan you are the the lead actress correct that's correct, but um, for the majority of the movie, it's five of us in this pod, and so although the story is told through my character's eyes, it's such a strong ensemble piece, in my opinion, because I'm with these people the entire time, and they're in it with me, and they're so great, and they have these great characters, so I really view it as an ensemble piece, yeah. but yes, it's told through Eve Miller's eyes. Something that... Also caught my eye is the fact that when you talk about this movie and all of your promotional materials, you always mention that there's a strong female lead, which is something that is so important because it doesn't end up happening all that often. Do you feel any sort of pressure to be anything in particular as that female lead, or is this just something you've always wanted to do and something you're excited about? Um, yeah, I think it's it's something I've always wanted to do and always have done. I've just naturally, just because of my look and my height, I'm pretty tall, I'm 5'9", um, and my stature, I was never cast as the girl next door or, um, you know, that these conventional dainty roles, like that was never going to happen for me. And so in my acting career, I've always played more unconventional types, stronger characters, um, offbeat characters. Um, all sorts, more more of that type. So when, you know, this idea was originally something that Scott had, he had this idea for Fifth Passenger, and we met at a filmmaker group, and he approached me and he said, you know, I have this idea, would you like to sit down and, you know, help me write it out, and I think you'd be great as the lead. And then when he told me the premise, I was just immediately hooked. I was like, yes, absolutely, because it reminded me of the movie Aliens, and um, I just thought it was such a great idea, and the character was something that I immediately identified with. So I really saw the potential in it, and to have come this far with Scott with it is so incredible, really, and to, again, work with these great actors. We do have an alien in the movie, and it's actually a, a practical alien. Oh, cool. Yeah, and um, Scott was always very, very keen on practical effects. Like, we've watched, um, you know, we sat down and watched Moon, like, a million times, and <laughs> When he explained, like, yeah, those are all practical little rovers, and, and it just made sense. Like, And when you start training your eye to that and you start watching these old films and you start seeing the use of practical effects versus visual effects, which, I mean, both are great, and we're going to have both in the film. I think there's just something about these practical effects that really improves the movie. And I think, you know, if you do have the possibility of using both, you should use both. And we were able to, and so... Scott has a friend, Thomas uh, Suprenant. He's worked on Buffy and a bunch of Star Trek TV shows. Like, he has an amazing career. He won an Emmy. Um, he actually designed the alien. He created the alien off of a de- design we gave him, and we got to work with that as well. And I don't know how I got started on this tangent, but, yes, I'm so glad about <laughs> strong strong female roles, and I think they're important. And so I'm, I'm really glad I was able to play this one. That's actually 
really, really super cool about the practical effects. I, this is something I talk about on the podcast a lot is that the the whole art of practical effects is being lost because everything is CG now. And mm-hmm. it's not that CG is bad. It's just that filmmakers have more tools at their disposal that they're not using, which kind of leads me to my next question, which is going to be for both of you. But let's do Scott first. What sort of sci-fi did you grow up on and what is sort of in your in your blood as a fan and what made you want to get into cinema? Um, I, as a kid, you know, my, my biggest influences were things like uh, Twilight Zone and Star Wars, um, uh, the uh, Star Trek, the original series. Um, but, but I also loved, you know, like, like fantasy stuff, like um, Clash of the Titans was just one of my, like, that was probably my favorite movie as a little kid. I love the, the Greek mythology and the stop motion uh, creatures. And, and, and I love Wizard of Oz. I, I love those, those movies that just can take you to a, you know, a completely other world and make that world seem real. And it's, it's the big things like the sets and the costumes and the, and the creature, but it's also the little things, you know, the little props and the way the, the characters are written and how they interact in the world that, that really makes you believe it. Um, so, so those, those are my, my early experiences growing up The you know, the stuff that like, you know, really, really influenced me. And, and, you know, I watched a lot of cartoons too, you know, Transformers and stuff like that, but. Wizard of Oz, I, I think is one of the best movies that's ever been made. It is one of the most transportive right. cinema experiences you could ever have. It's my mom's favorite movie and she made me watch it all the time when I was a kid. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I, yeah. I love it. I, it's fantastic. It's great with Dark yeah. Side of the Moon too. I can't agree more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we watched that in my family all the time. Like, my dad was really keen on it. And then I had the joy of – I have these two nephews up north, and um, I got to sit down and watch it with them for the first time. And the older nephew, he, I think he was, like, at six at the time. He turned to me when it was all over, and he said, that was a really good, good movie. <laughs> like, even he was like – you know what I mean? Like, you, you get it. Like, it always – the most beautiful film and it will just stand up all time absolutely so yeah it crosses all generations and it shows that with all of the technological advances in filmmaking all that matters is that you're telling a good story and you're telling it in a true way that resonates with people absolutely yeah. and, so, and, and i th- and, and, and there was something about the like about the witch character and the darkness and and, and the evilness in in that film that while it's it's definitely you know, acceptable to kids, it didn't feel juvenilized. There, mm. there was something that you could, like, as an adult, you could still watch it. And there was, it just, um, you know, the, the, the evil and, and, and the darkness that was there in, in the movie, um, you know, came, came through as, as a, you know, sort of genuine, even though there was this the whole fantasy thing. And, and, and so much of the, of the film was kind of, um, you know, you know, whimsical feeling. Yeah. Absolutely. The terror was real. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So Morgan, what kind of stuff did you grow up on? Well, um, we always watched, well, my mom was very fond of Star Trek The Next Generation. So when that was on TV, we were always watching that. And I, of course, was a big fan of Star Wars as well. But similarly to Scott, um, I was really into uh, fantasy. So I would always rent when we went to the movie store, I would always get the dark crystal and the never ending story. <laughs> oh and, yeah. Uh, I watched those. I don't even know how many times I've seen those movies as a kid. They, those were the, like the two big ones. And it's so funny cause I didn't really even think about it until just now and having this conversation about practical effects. But, but, um, you know, the dark crystal, that's all Jim Henson. Those are all puppets and right. all of that is practical. And, um, but I love those movies and definitely influenced by those as well. I'm trying to think if there's any others a little bit later in life going to it, you know, and thinking about strong female roles and as an actress coming up and thinking about what kind of roles I could play when I did see aliens, I did naturally think like, okay, I I really like this role, the Sigourney Weaver role. This is something I could play. And, and you know, you always kind of look for someone who, who kind of looks like you. And mm. um, when you're starting out, like, oh, what kind of path should I have? And she was one of those people that I watched and I would research the roles she played. And, and I, thought, I thought a lot about it and kind of meditated on that. What you said about having someone that looks like you is something that sci-fi does, I think, better than maybe any other genre, where you have this multitude of like people and races and even people that look nothing like you 
Uh, like, you know, Data is <laughs> a great example on The Next Generation where he looks nothing like anybody that you know. But because of that, you kind of relate to him because he's the outcast and he's someone you can look up to and someone you can, uh, you know, that gives you a little bit of hope for your own life, even though it's something that's so fantastic <laughs> and out there and bizarre. Um, yeah, that's I, also Never Ending Story is one of my favorite movies also. I watched that <laughs> I watched that recently and that holds up. I mean, it looks yeah. gorgeous. The everything about it is just absolutely beautiful. Uh so take me back in time a little bit. Scott, I know the idea for this movie came from you. Uh do you remember the moment of inception? Do you remember when the germ of the idea kind of planted itself in your mind? Um yeah, I mean, uh my my best friend Philip who who we we've been Phil- Filmmaker friends since uh, you know high school, and uh, we were we were just hanging out at, at the place, just you know friends out, you know ha- have, having a good time, talking about talking about this and talking about that, and shooting around ideas, and and uh, we were just kind of we were just kind of spitballing ideas back and forth, and and you know I'd always always in the back of my mind was just like uh, you know wanting to do you know the the science fiction movie and always having the ideas. And, and I had just rewatched like the entire twilight zone series. <laughs> um, and I, you know, especially the one terror at 30,000 feet, the one with, with the William Shatner, the, you know, <laughs> there's, there's something, something on the wing. On the wing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and there was, there was something about that that I really liked. I, I liked that, um, you know, the idea that he's, that he, he's trapped in the plane and there's something going on and, and he can't do anything about it because mm. you know, nobody believes him and you as the audience don't know if you, be- if, if you believe him or not because you don't know if you know, the filmmakers are playing a trick on you. Um, and uh, th- there was something about that. And so, so we were just talking about ideas on different things and, and uh, in, in, in that conversation that, that little germ came out and then – um, you know, it was, it wasn't much different than, than, than what we, we had, you know, there, there was something the, that the little, the, the essence of that idea is still, is still in this script, but at, you know, obviously with, with, you know, when, when you start to develop an idea and then you go through rewrite so much changes. Um, but, but it, it was very important to me to, to keep the, the essence of, of that idea that, that we started with, because, you know, what it was really about, um, and, and, and what this film is, you know, is, is still about is, is about the, um, you know, what, what you do to survive the, the, the sort of primal animalistic nature of humanity and what, like what our, our psyche does to ourselves to tell us like how, how we need to survive and like, you know, coping mechanisms and, and, and things like that were, were all the sort of like, uh, you know, essential elements of that original idea. Yeah, that 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 we were really um, you know passionate to keep, no matter how many times you know we rewrote the story and added in characters and added in subplots and things like that. It was just, it was like okay, you know, we have to hold on to this this particular idea, or or the film is lost and it's not it's not the film I wanted to make. You know, I mean, it's your vision in a lot of ways, especially since you also uh, co-wrote the movie, where. Right. where- having that idea in your mind that you hold all the way through production of what it should be. Um, I think that's something that, that you can, I mean, of course I haven't seen the film yet, but I think that's something that people see when they watch movies is they see a point of view and they see the consistency of that point of view. And I think that makes a huge difference in going on the journey with these characters because there's a singular vision kind of carrying everything through or a singular idea or feeling that you want it to have. That's my favorite type of movie. And I'm just getting more and more excited about seeing this movie as you talk about uh, it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I agree. Like, I think you, it really, cause it also makes our jobs easier as filmmakers too. Cause you can ask yourself like, Oh, is this ch- choice informing our spine of the movie? Is this going back to the theme and supporting it or is it taking away and so it, it helps us as well do our job and keep that vision and keep us on track. And hopefully, you know, we, we stayed true to that and that was the goal and that's what we went in there to do. And if we did it well enough, um, I hope it's not too obvious. I hope it's a little more subtle, but it will definitely come across in whatever way that means to whatever particular audience member. So, Morgan, you talked a little bit about how Scott kind of brought you the idea and it appealed to you because of your connection to Alien and the similarities in that. 
Um, when did you get involved in the project and what did you bring to it when you uh, started writing with Scott? Well, I have a theater background, so I am a classically trained actress and I met Scott at an indie filmmaker group and he had the idea and I think the general outline, is that correct, Scott? And like two scenes? Um, yeah, we, I, we'd started um, in, in that group. It was the, the idea, okay, well, you know, bring in, bring in a, a short piece that you've written or bring in a couple scenes from a larger piece. And so I, I wrote like two or three scenes just like I, I had the general outline in my mind about what happens in the film. And then so I just plucked out a couple moments that I thought, OK, these are like cool, exciting moments from the film and, and, and wrote those down as scenes that weren't weren't, you know, chronological in order, just three random moments of, of the movie and, and brought those to the group. And then um, and then then got a lot of positive feedback from that. And then that's that's when I approached Morgan and brought her in. Yeah. So it, it was something that Scott started as writing and then we started meeting more and more and more frequently. And uh, the story developed from there. And um, I really try to keep Scott on track with this vision and with this, um, the thematic spine of the story. And just as time progressed, we started writing more of it. And then we got it to a really good place. And that's when Scott showed Manu and Manu got interested because there's a great role in it for Manu. Um, but of course he ended up playing. Um, but there were problems with the script and Scott and I knew that and being such young and fresh screenwriters we didn't quite know how to fix that so we ended up hiring somebody to do a page one rewrite and we sat down and plotted that out with him and then when he gave us back that copy and that version we ended up doing more work on it again and that's the version we had shot you know screenwriting is this a beautiful beautiful craft and it's it's formulaic but um of course you have to bring yourself to it and bring your own you know it doesn't just write itself it's not like a math problem. Um, so it's something I personally am still really developing within myself. I had already made a short film around and it was out and about in the world around the time that Scott approached me with Fifth Passenger and the idea of writing it. And um, that was great. And I had such a great experience with that, you know, writing it and producing it and acting in it. When he suggested, suggested this, I was at the place where I really did want to make a feature film and make a, a really solid feature film. So the timing was just perfect. Everything you're saying impresses me uh i mean there's that old quote about how the beginning of wisdom is saying when you you do not know and for you to just say you know we are young screenwriters and we knew we needed help so we hired someone that's fantastic i mean uh collaboration is such a big part of making a project like this come to life and i you know i work on a lot of like live shows and performances and stuff like that and sometimes some video stuff and whenever somebody isn't open to their own or open to feedback or open to saying, you know, I'm not perfect at everything, then the whole project kind of falls apart. So the more great minds you can get on one thing, the better it's going to be. And it sounds to me like you guys, your goal is just to make the absolute best product possible, no matter what that means. And that is exciting as a viewer. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, honestly, it's it's less work. If you can get <laughs> other, other other artists to come on and, and you know, uh, you know, seriously, though, I mean, it's, it's, it's this idea of like, you know, you have, you, you know, you have your your costumer and you have your set designer and, and your cinematographer. And, you know, it, it's like this is this is this is generally what I want. And then, then you let them as artists do what they do. And then you then you come back and say, OK, well, let's just, you know, adjust this a little bit. Or how about make this brown instead of green? And I, I feel that's that's a that's a better process than then I'm going to be the supreme overlord and this is to the very meticulous detail how I want every little thing. I mean, I, I think there, there, there maybe are filmmakers who that's, that's how, they, how they operate, but um, I, I, like, I, I like the idea of, of bringing artists together that, that have their own view on different things and, um, because cause you end up getting stuff that you, you could never think of and, and points of view that, that, that make more sense because you're 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 trapped in your little you know bubble of 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 thinking about something and you know I, I do a lot of editing myself but I'm not editing this this um because you know writing it and then and then directing it there's just it's just you know too too close to the whole thing that that I needed an editor who could come at it 
from a different perspective and tell the story that's not in my mind because because there's because you know there's 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 going to be things that are left out or that are confusing if if I'm just telling the story through the editing process because you know the, the like you know it's all in my head and it makes sense in my head but it needs to make sense in everybody else's head too you know yeah like whenever I'm working on music I always try to bounce it off people and say does this give you like what sort of impression does yeah. this give you what sort of feeling does this give you because I know how it feels to me but that doesn't mean anything I mean you know I've spent my whole life inside of my body I don't know what it's like to be inside of anyone else's and to experience the world through their eyes and the more eyes yeah. a, a piece of creative work can be filtered through the stronger it's going to be Absolutely. And I, I know music and I mean, acting like you can act, but you don't know if this moment is working unless you have somebody to bounce that off of, unless someone can look through the lens of the camera or on the monitor and say, yes, you know, your choice is working or no, can you try it this way? And, and screenwriting as well. Like, you know, you have to get notes on it because you're so close to it. You have no idea. Um, so it's, it's, it's vital. And, and I think that is part of the collaboration that's so beautiful. Like we need these other minds and they do bring other things and you can't know anything anyway. It's such an advanced art form filmmaking. Like it's, it's all of these worlds coming together. And I mean, I would love to be at the point someday later in my life where I, I somehow managed to be a, a great expert at so many more of them. But right now I feel like to become just proficient at some of them is, is such a large task at hand and, and it's like a, very joyful for me of course like it's my absolute favorite thing but I I'm very practical in knowing that it will take a little while if I keep studying it and keep trying awesome so something I wanted to talk to you about from looking at the preview uh, and the trailer that you've had online it looks like kind of a, a mix of sci-fi and horror is that is that true I get a really claustrophobic feeling from watching the footage and the idea that there's something really, truly frightening going on. Was this an intentional blending of those two genres? Yeah. I mean, you know, it was, you know, we keep talking about alien and, and, and there's, you know, that's, that's definitely one of my favorite films. And, and I think there's, there's a large influence there on, on this film. It's the, you know, it's definitely science fiction. There's, uh, there's no doubt about it. I think, I think when you start talking about like horror or thriller or, you know, you, there's so many other words that, that, that could be used to describe it. And, and, you know, nowadays, um, it's, it's difficult because you hear horror and, you know, it's like, Oh, it's saw or hostile or, you know, movies about people getting tortured and cut up, or it's a guy with a bag over his head and a knife and, you know, every every twenty seconds, somebody's getting killed, and that's not the type of of film this is. There, there is definitely like horrific and terrifying things that happen, and there is bloody moments with the alien creature and things like that. Um, but it's the the slower burn type of suspenseful mm -hmm. horror and and the the thriller aspect of. Um, you know, what's, what's going on between characters and like, you know, John Carpenter's The Thing is, is one that, that I love also. And that one's, um, you know, very similar where there's the suspense about like, you know, is, you know, who, who is the thing and, and, you know, can you trust the people around you? Um, and so, so there's, there's a lot of similarities between that too. And, and so, um, you know, definitely it, it can be considered a horror film, um, in 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 many respects yeah i'm a big fan of i love horror but i like more uh like inside of your mind horror than external horror like body horror right. doesn't interest me that much but right. the idea of being trapped in a spaceship <laughs> and not knowing if you're going to survive the trip that's scary i mean i that gives me a sense of claustrophobia it makes it puts my mind in that place a lot more uh, just mm -hmm. because, you know, I watch science fiction all the time and my mind is usually in that place, but it's a yeah. lot, it's a lot more frightening when it becomes like an internal cerebral struggle that you're going through as a character. Just, just the, the whole idea of the, the unknown, like, like, right. you know, you know, what is this alien creature or, you know, like I said, like, you know, can I trust this other person that I'm stuck in here with, <laughs> you know, who, who, who is this person really? Um, and you know, what are they going to do? And you know, that, that, that sort of things, the, there, there's a, there's a, moment of, of human nature that's that's terrifying and, and there's there's you know a lot of that in, in the film as well so it's it's funny you bring that up the, the thing that I usually associate with the sci-fi genre is the sort of Star Trek ish world where you know human nature is being examined but we're looking at the positive side of human nature because 
people kind of assume when we get out into space, then maybe we've grown a little bit as a species and we're maybe a little bit more enlightened. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's interesting that you, this kind of sounds like it's taking the opposite approach is, you know, we have the technology to get out into space, but then our base instincts are coming out. And that's really interesting. I mean, that sounds like a really cool juxtaposition, especially because you have all of these Star Trek actors in it. Yeah, I, I think, you know, with, with like the female character, the, you know, there, there was something about that, that, that this idea that like, oh, even, even, you know, 150 years into the future and yeah, we're, you know, we're, we're traveling into space and everything like that. There's still, there's still sexism, you know, there's, mm. there's still racism. There's still a class system where there's, there's haves and have nots. And, um, you know, if you're, if you're part of the, the citizen class, there, there are things that you get that other people don't. And, and you, you know, you, 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 you know, people talk down to other people and, and there's almost like, you, you know, I'm human and you're not human. Wow. Um, and, and I think, you know, maybe that just comes from, from my personal sort of, you know, cynicism about, about human nature. Um, but, it, but it's not, it's not all that, you know, I mean, it's, it's, um, there's, there's other moments in the, film there's there's people you know helping each other and caring about each other and um you know passionate moments and things like that because because I, I think that really is the you know the broad spectrum of of human nature and, and and i don't think that any amount of technological advancement or ideas about you know political correctness and social change are, are, are ever going to completely get rid of of the sort of uh, I, I guess it's a you know a bit of the the like ingrained kind of tribalness about about humans that you know we we just naturally I think feel that there's there, there's in groups and there's out groups and there's superior and inferior people and I I think that's just part of who we are as animals and 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 I I don't necessarily mean to say that there's like a value judgment on that I mean obviously you know, your, your actions have consequences and, you know, you can, you can do good things and you can do bad things and how they affect other people. But, um, there, there's, there's those elements of human nature that, that I don't think any amount of technology is going to get rid of that. They're, they're always going to be there with us. And as we grow as, as a, as a species, we can be aware of that and keep those things in check but but they're always gonna they're always gonna be there. I mean we but but we're still kind of aware of, of those feelings of wanting to like you know be superior to other people and take advantage and things like that. Those are still part of our human nature that we just have to recognize and you know deal with. And you don't think that that can sort of culturally lessen over time? You think that's always going to be a part of us? Uh, I'm I I mean I. You know who, who knows what's going to happen, um, but I, I, I think I think there's an element of that that's that's uh, biological and mm. um, is is not going to change in, in the near future. I mean, I guess you could say you know over a couple hundred thousand years, as our species evolves into something else, that that might be something that that evolves out of us. But um, the, I don't know. I, uh, I I think I think there's there's an element of that that's 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 a biological yeah. because of our, our our evolutionary upbringing. You know. Yeah, I mean, well, maybe it's tied into survival of the fittest in some way. Sure, I'd like to speak on this because yeah. I actually different. I have, I have a different opinion than Scott. I'm a I'm fundamentally an idealist, and I believe <laughs> I am, and it's it's annoying, but no, I, don't I, think I am too. I'd love to hear the other side. So um, for me, I believe absolutely we can change. Absolutely we can evolve. And I believe if we wanted to, we could do that right now. And I feel that if you look outside and you, you look at how far we have advanced, even now in 2015, I think we could be so much further in, in technologies and advancements were it not for fear and greed um, that is already a part of our, our system. But if you took that away, I think we as a species could accomplish so, 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 so much. And I think we are, it's a little bit slow for my tastes, but it is moving forward. And I do see progress and I do see more compassion and I do see, uh, more open minds towards different types of people and diversity. And I think things are changing and it's my hope that it just changes a little bit faster because I, I look at 
you know, climate change and where we're heading on our own planet. And I think we have to make a shift or there, there's going to be some, um, some reckoning. So, but again, going back to what I said initially, I have to believe in the goodness of human beings. And I do, I do believe in this, this better and brighter future. But with that said, this was a very interesting story to explore with Scott. And I wanted to explore it with Scott. And I do acknowledge that there is a part of human beings that will do anything to survive. And I thought that would be a very interesting topic to dive into and to ask questions about and to play around in for a little bit. And so we did. This is the power of story is that you can examine the human condition. I mean, you can examine these problems in our society. I mean, I'm somewhere kind of in the middle where I'm, I'm kind of like a cynical optimist where I, <laughs> I, see, I see problems with human nature and I see problems in our society, but I choose to believe that we can overcome them. And by presenting stories that show us overcoming them, I think it can inspire humanity to a better future. I mean, it's, you know, and I, I really do kind of consciously try to ignore a lot of the bad parts of human nature because I want to live in a world where it doesn't exist. So I choose to treat people like they are, I don't even know how to describe it, like maybe more enlightened in some way. I mean, that sounds pretentious. So I don't, I don't quite know how to say no, it, but. No, no, uh, I know what you mean. Like you're, you're treating people how you wish they would behave. And I think if you look for something in somebody, you'll find it. So you probably actually do get the response you're looking for just by speaking to this particular individual in the way that um, you think they can be heard. And they'll probably give you a reaction that was far more elevated and more gracious. You know what I mean? Like if someone's yelling at you and maybe you kind of flip it on its head and you you talk to them calmly or, or you're, you agree with them and you, you remain open to them, the anger will disperse or change into something else and then it will evolve. So I understand what you mean. Yeah. The cool thing is that there is no right or wrong. And then to have two storytellers telling one story that have sort of different viewpoints on humanity I mean, I can't, I can't wait to see how these issues play out in the film. I, it sounds like it's going to be fascinating. I mean, this is my favorite part of science fiction is when there's something going on under the surface, which I can, I mean, just from talking to you, it sounds like there absolutely is in this film that there's this sort of, you know, human struggle playing out that mean, that is deeper than the, the veneer of the story and what's happening on the screen and all the cool flashy effects and everything. There's something, there's a heart to it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I think that is the great thing about science fiction is that you can, you can ask these questions uh, in, in, in a way that, that doesn't seem like you're hitting somebody over the head because you have all these cool things like spaceships and aliens and planets and stuff. And, you know, really, really you're telling a tale about, about humans interacting with each other and and these sort of ethical moral dilemmas um, without without it being you know that's what you're talking about um, and, and that's that's what I loved about uh, Twilight Zone and, and and things like that and you know Star Trek is that they 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 ask those questions and 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 they didn't always answer them for you and that's that's what I think right. you know I, I wanted I wanted in this film is to you know ask those questions and not necessarily say oh this is how I feel and this is how it is and this is how people are going to be in the future blah 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 it's just like hey here's some what ifs hmm. and you know go and and yeah, as you guys were talking about all the all the all the all the good of human nature it's just yeah how, how like my mind works I instantly I thought of those those videos on YouTube of like Black Friday when people are going crazy and like you know you know punching each other in the face over flat screen TV you know? and I was like and, and that's and that's that's what like this uh, is it's like it's like this like you know crazy Walmart Black Friday thing but between like five people in this tiny escape pod you know wow <laughs> give me my flat screen <laughs> I know yeah, we're stuck in space together but if I don't get my yeah. flat screen I'm gonna kill you I'm gonna kill yeah, you because it's Christmas and I want this from my daughter, goddammit, you know. I love her. I love her. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I love the idea of asking questions and not answering them because then it's up to the audience. I mean, you, you fill in the blanks and I'm sure people will take answers from the movie that they think are there that may or may not be intentional. And that's great. I hope right. so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'd be they did that. Absolutely. Yeah, because I mean, you know, obviously, I have my point of view, and and you know, that the, there's going to be things in there that that are are, are evident. But but at the, at the end of the day, you know, it's it's more important that that people walk away thinking about something, you know, and and, and questioning and um, 
than 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 saying, "Hey, this this is how it is," you know, because that that's that's what keeps the dialogue going, and that's what what you know leads leads to further stuff. And it, and if we are going to progress, and I think you know, science fiction is great for that too. Is like you know, setting up these these ideas of the future, and and you know, letting people you know think about them. Um, you know, whether it's movies like like The Fly or mm. or uh, Lawnmower Man or um, you know these movies about like. Um, uh, X X Machina, you know, they're all like, okay, here, here are these here are these this like crazy new technology, you know, should we go forward with this thing or not? Here's here's like a worst case scenario of what could happen if we do this. And and it's not necessarily saying, hey, this is what's going to happen, and this is my cynical view that if we you know, start cloning people that the clones are going to rise up and kill us all. But it's this like, hey, well, the, this is a possibility. Did you think about that? And how should how should how should this fictional story uh, shape our um, you know shape our decisions going forward? And 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 I think that's stuff that you know it has has effects into you know real world stuff like like politics and and science and morals and ethics as we you know you know do you know scientific experiments and explorations and and things like that is to is to have these crazy fanciful worst case scenarios at least kind of you know, in our mind is like, okay, you know, let's, let's at least think about what we're doing before we, you know, clone a dinosaur and make it into an amusement park. <laughs> well, but I think, I think it's also important to have both. Like, I, I think it is important to have these positive stories. And I think that's one of the reasons why Star Trek was so popular and remains so popular is mm -hmm. because it really speaks to people on a profound level and they want this, more educated, more evolved, more open and compassionate society. And that's why it was so appealing because people were equal and there, it was extremely diverse and everyone was valued. And I mean, quite frankly, I mean, Roddenberry was such a visionary for that reason. Like that's why he made it right to make a more compassionate world. And it worked. Like I look out in the world, I, I'm in these groups of people. I listen to people talk about it and it was absolutely effective. And so I would love more positive sci-fi with this vision of the future. And, and sometimes it's so funny because if you, you do read like, you know, 1984 or Fahrenheit, you know, like you, 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 or, or even in Star Trek, you look at these technologies and these things that do come to pass. And I always wonder, like, were they, were, were these writers channeling something? Like, how did they know <laughs> that this is what we were going to do? It, it's really uncanny. Like they were divining or something. And, and so perhaps we should make more positive sci-fi and to make a, a better world for the future. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's passenger. almost like people see what they want in those movies. Like they want hoverboards and they want replicators mm -hmm. and yeah. then they grow up to be scientists and try to figure mm -hmm. out how to do it. So yeah. now we have so much technology from Star Trek that's real. I mean, yeah. we're, 3D printers are so similar to replicators. And I just heard about a, a new technology that's similar to a dermal regenerator that helps you regrow your skin faster. So, oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, someday there will be a pill that you can take that will regrow your liver. <laughs> and it's all these cool ideas that come from these visionaries, and then it kind of becomes real. So yeah. having, having those optimistic views of the future and uh, – Sometimes even having a pessimistic view of the future can help bring about positive change. Like you mentioned 1984, which is a cautionary tale uh, about like the dangers of totalitarian government. So I think it makes people more aware in our present day of not allowing that to happen, and it makes it less likely that it will happen. So sometimes having both can, be, can bring about positive oh. change. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Well, okay, lighter question. <laughs> um, <laughs> How did you guys get all these amazing Star Trek actors involved? Well, um, you know, like like Morgan said, um, uh, I, I was on a um, I was on a film shoot doing doing Steadicam, and, and I met Manu and Taremi. Uh, I, I didn't know who, who he was when I met him. We just you know started chatting about this, that, and the other, and and um, he he told me that he he had been in Star Trek and. And uh, he was he was in Voyager for a couple seasons as as Ichab and uh, and I we, we, this was around when Morgan and I had just finished up like one of the first drafts of, of Fifth Passenger and and so I, I kind of gave him the little elevator pitch of the film and he said it sounded interesting and so I sent him the script and um, you know about a month later or so he he got back to me and said that he had read it and he he really really liked it and wanted to know you know what what we were doing with it. 
Um, and you know, at that point we just, we didn't know. I mean, you, I, you know, I was doing, I was doing a lot of short films, you know, directing and writing and stuff like that. And, and I knew I wanted to move into features, but I didn't know, you know, what, what the next steps were and how I could get something going. And, um, so, so he, he wanted to come on to help, help produce the film, um, because he kind of wanted to take more control of his career and, and, you know, produce films that he could also act in. And so, so we started talking about ways to get the film made and he said, well, you know, I go to conventions all the time, the Star Trek and the comic cons and all those. And he's like, you know, I, I'm really good friends with Tim Russ and, um, with, with other other Star Trek people and and so um, you know he, he approached Tim Russ and, and Tim Russ liked the idea and we shot a proof of concept trailer a few years ago with Tim and Manu in it and and, and Morgan and a, and a couple other actors and um, and then as, as we started you know to put the package together and and we're gonna go to Kickstarter um, you know we we you know, you know Manu reached out to other actors that you know he he reached out to Marina and 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 we we reached out to Armin and uh, Ryan T Husk one of our other co-producers he he's good friends with Doug Jones and so he reached out to Doug and uh, reached out to Hanahate and just sort of things like once once like Manu was attached and then we got Tim and it just sort of started to you know gain momentum and once they saw that we were serious about the film and we were doing the Kickstarter and raising money and um, you know, had had spaceship sets to shoot on and everything like that, and the other people that we had involved, it just you know started gain momentum and they came aboard because, you know, just like any actor, they like to work and and they like to work on good projects and um, there's there's something about science fiction too. There, there there's a community about it where um, a lot of the actors. Um, either come into acting in science fiction because they like it or they start acting in science fiction and then discover that they like it and continue to get drawn into science fiction projects and then, um, you know, work together on a lot of the same things because of the sort of um, kind of like, you know, nepotism that, that's in Hollywood where, where you know, people, people work on the same projects because they know each other and they, and they trust each other and things like that and it just sort of just kind of happens that way. It's like, oh, I worked with so and so on this project and this project, and he was really good, and so we'll we'll we'll, we'll bring him into the next project. So um, it's just so much of a part of you know being here in Los Angeles. You know, there's 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 so many great actors down here. So it seems like there's a sort of fraternity of Star Trek actors where I see. I mean, you see all these uh, independent productions of like uh, Renegades or of Gods and Men where. Mm -hmm everybody shows up to play because right. they like mm -hmm. each other and they just want to be around each other. And it's just, it's incredible that you got that fraternity in something that's not Star Trek. So it's like something right. new and original and uh, you know, new and original is rare these days. And I'm so glad to see people that I want to see on the screen be a part of it. Yeah. 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 And, and, and I think that that's a fun thing too, is, is I, um, all the actors were pretty excited that, that, that we didn't, put cast them in roles that were similar to like who they were like in Star Trek and stuff. Like yeah. Tim Russ is not Tuvok. Right. Right? He is, he is <laughs> <What>? not, <laughs> yeah, he, he is, he's not the, the emotionless, you know, uh, you know, Vulcan. He's, 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 he's much different. He's this authoritarian type character who's, you know, uh, you know, very much Morgan's foil in the, in, in the film. Mm. Uh, and, 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 you know, Armin Shimmerman, plays plays the decent guy you know he's he's the he's the he's the heart of the crew on the, on the escape pod and wow you know he's not, a, he's not a um you know a money-grubbing ferengi so <laughs> wow. wow yeah I, I i've always loved armin shimmerman i mean i grew up watching all these people so just to see them in anything and especially with armin shimmerman to see him out of makeup is always such a mm -hmm. treat i'm watching yeah. through buffy right now and every time he shows up i'm still tripped out by seeing his face just because i'm not used to it uh, and yeah, it's great. Yeah. I love it. I love seeing his face. I love seeing him act with all of his, you know, facial features <laughs> uncovered because it, it must uh -huh. be so hard to convey emotion when you're covered in latex. Right, um, right. So, Morgan, how yeah. did you feel acting with all these people that you've been watching on TV since you were a kid? Oh, it was amazing. Um, it was incredible. Really incredible. And, and, you know, they're not only like these amazing, iconic Star Trek actors and actors um, and other sci-fi projects, but they're also really, really lovely people and really incredible actors. And so I learned so much just by watching them 
And um, going back to Armin, he is, he's so sweet. He's the nicest man. And, and when he wasn't on camera, he'd be in the green room or, you know, off, off camera. And um, you could ask him anything and he would just give you all this knowledge. He would tell story after story of, <laughs> of the industry and life as an actor. And, you know what I mean? It was, it was incredible listening to him talk. I feel very, very lucky. And, you know, going back to Tim as well, like he's such a powerhouse. It's so funny that he played Tuvok, I mean, which he was brilliant at, but the man has like such presence and he can, you know, he has some very strong and powerful and angry moments in the movie. And it was such a thrill to try to match him in that and his power and, and, um, overrule him if I could and dominate him if I could in these certain scenes. Um, so it was, it was quite a challenge <laughs> that that was fantastic. He's, he's such a great actor with such a great presence. Yeah. Well, I have one more thing I want to chat with you guys about. Of course, we have to talk about your Indiegogo campaign. So I know you funded the shooting of the film through Kickstarter, and now you're working on funding the visual effects, and you want the effects to be as good as possible. So tell me about your uh, your current Indiegogo campaign. It's up and running. If you go to uh, fifth, as in the number five, T passenger.com it will link you to the indiegogo campaign and we have all sorts of amazing things we tailored it to our old audience who fell in love with us and supported us in our kickstarter so we're offering some new things like amazing props and costumes that are signed and were worn by the actors themselves in the movie and um of course those are like just one of a kind, like once those are gone, those are gone. But then we also offered a lot of stuff to our new audience where maybe if you missed the Kickstarter and you want to become part of the family, you can join us and you can get um, the DVD or um, the soundtrack or signed scripts and um, join us that way and join us on social media and follow us through this journey and be a part of it. Um, so there's a lot of really good stuff for everyone, really. Um, even if it's just 10 bucks or if you want to give 10,000 bucks, there's something for you there. It's such a cool opportunity to help something come to life that, I mean, that I truly want to see. I mean, I donated to your Indiegogo campaign mostly just because I really want to see this movie. And I, I listened to you guys come on the, the Visionary Trek podcast and you mentioned that the, the movie's not going to come out until you have the best visual effects possible. I mean, you'll sit on it for all time if you have to until you have the funds that you need to make the visual effects come to life. So there's a lot of motivation to, as a fan, to donate because I want to see it. I mean, the, you know, the perks are great and all that kind of stuff is fantastic, but the best part is actually getting to help make this happen and make it real and make it something tangible that we can, you know, pull up on online and watch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for contributing. And, and you're absolutely right. You know, like, we get these questions all the time of like, when is this coming out and where can I see it? And it breaks my little heart because, you know, Scott and I and Manu and everyone involved, we want to put this movie out there. Like, I can't wait. Like, I think about this every day, <laughs> all the time. I cannot wait to show people this movie. I am so excited about it. And it's, it's a very painful process to like slowly work towards it. And it's, you know, I'm, I'm very glad that we have it. And I'm so glad we got as far as we did. But honestly, like, I'm just, I'm like chomping at the bit to release this movie out to people and to share it with everyone because it's something I'm so absolutely passionate about and I believe in and I know people will enjoy it. And so I, I really hope this Indiegogo campaign will just be successful. And if it is something where if it does take a little bit longer then yeah, as we said on Visionary Trek, I think it is important that we release something that is quality because there are so many people that are interested in watching it and I don't want to disappoint anyone. We're going to announce that um, Doug Jones's signed costume is going to be part of the part of the perks there. That, that wasn't initially in there because we hadn't got confirmation from him yet, but that's that's confirmed. And so so that'll be that'll be in there for the for the Doug Jones fans out there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, the. You know the thing about the visual effects is that it's a it's a it's a time quality money equation. You know, mm -hmm. and if you have limited resources, then you know it's like those three little dials, and you can't turn them all up um, unless you have the money. Then you can say, okay, I've got a whole bunch of money, and so we can make it really fast, and we can make it really good. Um, but but we're you know since since we're making this on on 
on a lower budget, it's okay, well, let's make it really good. So that just means it's going to take a little bit longer to do. And, and if, you know, every Star Trek fan out there in the world gave us 20 bucks, then man, that, that would, that would give us the money that we need. And we, you know, we could turn this thing out in a couple months and it would be, you know, you know, people would be watching it before no time. Um, so, you know, like, you know, like we said, you know, we want to make it good because we, we've invested so much in, in this, um, of, of our time, money and energy and, and our names are on it and it would just be a disservice to everybody if we if we release something you know that wasn't good so that wasn't fantastic you know there's this just this potential of this film and and you know the footage looks awesome and and you know if you see the you know if you see the trailer that's just like a, a, a taste of what what it looks like i mean you know our, our, our dp did a fantastic job the costumes the sets the alien everything just you know blew me away by by the quality that that we got um that to, you know, just the, these final last elements of like the visual effects and all, all the post-production stuff to, to like, you know, glue it all together and to, to put that, that, uh, you know, to put the nice paint job on it and send it out is, 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 is where we're at now. And, um, you know, to be kind of, you know, searching around for, for money from like the studios and things like that. It's just, it's, it's such a different ball game than it used to be. And, and they don't have faith in the independent filmmaker with, with their original idea. That's not based on a comic book or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, so, so, you know, that, that's why we went to the fans in the first place. And that, that's why we went back, you know, for the, for the visual effects money, you know, to the fans because, because they believe in us and, and we know, you know, what, what, what we want to make and our vision and and it seems to appeal to to people and we're just hoping that that you know the people who it appeals to will will help us make it um and then that that'll, that'll lead to further you know independent science fiction films and stuff like that because i've seen other sci-fi projects come out of kickstarter and indiegogo that that are great and um you know like like the the you know star trek renegades and axanar and and stuff like that i mean there's 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 so many great things that the fans are helping to create um you know, it's it's a whole new world for 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 independent films and you know independent science fiction and in um, you know specifically because of what what you can do with visual effects and stuff like that nowadays on on a budget. Yeah, it's it's interesting how these things seem to go in cycles. Like when we hit this sort of critical mass of superhero movies, we also have this whole fan funded film it's like kind of gaining momentum where we are still getting original content. It's just coming from a different place and. And it's passion projects. And what's better than a passion project? Nothing, you know? It doesn't yeah. matter how it turns out. It doesn't matter uh, if it's your favorite movie or not. The fact that it's being made is what matters. And the fact that these creative people with a vision are finding a way to make their vision come to life, that is so exciting to me. And to have, uh, and just to have the ability as a fan to contribute and to be a part of that and to say, I want this movie to be made. I mean, you're gonna pay, you know, 15 bucks to go see a movie in the theater, you might as well pay 15 bucks to help a movie get made. I mean, that's so much more powerful that you're on the front end instead of the back end. And that's really exciting as a fan. So everyone go donate. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it's been so lovely talking to you guys. You're both wonderful to talk to it. You have such different points of view and it's just fascinating. I love where you're coming from. I love what you're doing. Um, and I have to say, Morgan, when I got your initial email about coming on the podcast, I was having a really bad day. And I was just like, what? How? Why? Yes, let's do this. This is great. <laughs> and it was totally like the highlight of, uh, well, of, of my month so far. So uh, oh, wow. thank you so much for coming on the show. I, uh, I, I can't thank you enough. This has been so fantastic. I can't wait to have this come out and have people hear it. Awesome. Yeah, great. Thank and, you so uh, much for having us. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, yeah. And, and people can, you know, obviously find us at fifthpassenger.com and we're on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram on Fifth Passenger. So we're always putting up behind the scenes pictures and, uh, you know, all, all sorts of fun stuff up there. So I hope people follow along with, with what we're doing and be a part of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll post up links to all your stuff on my website as well at jessemercury.com. Uh, cool. Yeah, and I'm I'm out of questions. If you guys have anything you'd like to add, I think I'm, you were I'm very good. thorough. Say Great, <laughs> everybody's out yeah. of words. Perfect. <laughs> we're all we're all running empty. That's that's where you want to be. Well, thank you guys so much. I mean, this was great. Couldn't ask for a better conversation. You guys are <laughs> I know wonderful. we're trapped liver, Jesse. I know we're, yeah. I know we weren't on Star Trek, but <laughs> <laughs> well, but you are the you are the creative 
team. I mean, that's something that is near and dear to my heart. And that's something that I was really excited to talk to you too, in particular, because you are the creative team and you are where the, the story came from. And, uh, and just getting to hear a little bit about your philosophy and your, you know, vision of the future. I mean, that's exactly what I wanted to hear about. So I'm, I'm so thrilled. And once this movie comes out, you guys are going to be super famous. So, oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I was there and before. Then, and then we'll talk again on your podcast. Yeah. And then we'll fly to Seattle and yes. we'll like sit in your room yes. and have tea. I love yes. it. <laughs> I made Can't myself wait. tea. Uh, usually I make tea for my guests. It was weird not to be able to. I made you some digi- digital tea, I guess. <laughs> I was drinking tea though. I was getting up and getting tea while this was going on so it was like we were having tea perfect (laughs) well cheers (laughs) awesome (laughs) all right thank you guys so much Uh, hope to talk to you again in the future thank you awesome take care you too well there you go how cool was that i love that conversation it's just such a great chance to be inside of the creative process and not just that but to give all of us the chance to contribute to create science fiction by contributing to their indiegogo campaign Uh, So I'm going to put a blog post up on my website at jessemercury.com. It's going to have some information about Morgan and Scott and information about The Fifth Passenger, all the links that you need to get anywhere that you need to go on the internet about The Fifth Passenger. So check that out. Okay, as I mentioned before, next week we're going to have Manu Entereme, who played Icheb on Star Trek Voyager. Just to wet your whistle a little bit, I'm going to give you a tiny little snippet of that conversation just to get you excited. Here you go. How did it change you as a person? You, know, you seem like a very introspective person. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on what you were like as an individual before and after this experience. I mean, I, I'd assume that it would affect your ego to all of a sudden be in the public eye and, you know, on this well, beloved show. Well, we're talking show. about empathy in, in general here, that's what the Star Trek experience taught me. Yeah. I was a young, cocky asshole when I got that part and I you know got some fame and some money and just spun out of control those first couple of years um really thought I was cool and it and it sort of fell flat on my face okay that's it that's all I'm gonna give you this week you have to come back next week to hear the rest of this conversation Manu Ente Reime Icheb from Voyager and he's also one of the stars of The Fifth Passenger continuing our in-depth inside coverage of The Fifth Passenger next week (laughs) sorry I don't take myself very seriously okay moving on before I let you go as promised I have another work in progress version of my brand new yet to be released synth pop sci-fi song Cosmic Child the last time I played it for you was, I believe, three episodes ago, and I had the basic uh, backbone of the song recorded. So since then, I've recorded a lot of what I think of as kind of the icing, uh, filling out the sonic landscape of, this, of the song. I, I had to create new sounds to play with. Right in the beginning of the song, you're going to hear a really cool sound, and I was trying to create the sound of an asteroid flying by and the sort of asteroid dust trickling off of it. I was thinking of the opening of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. I was thinking to myself, can I create a sound that encapsulates the feeling of watching that asteroid fly in front of your face at the beginning of uh, Deep Space Nine? So a note will play and then it will kind of open up into this trickly asteroid dust wash. And I fucking love it. I'm pretty stoked about it. And that sound will uh, come back throughout the song. There's one moment that was just pure magic where I had this cool lead line in my head that was going to come between the uh, the first chorus and the second verse when there's a little bit of an instrumental break. So I played that lead line on this sort of asteroid dust sound that I keep talking about. And I, I rolled the filter off on it so you don't hear all the noise. And I played some of the lead line, and then I opened up the filter so you realize that this sound that you heard earlier in the song is actually the same sound. I'm just playing it in a different way. I have no idea if what I just said makes any sense to anyone other than me, but I hope that it does. I also layered in some new analog percussion sounds, so keep listening for that. All of these sounds kind of move and and shape and change as they're playing back, which is the beauty of analog is it makes it so much more tactile and easy to make that sort of a thing happen. Uh, This is still a work in progress, so the vocals are not final. It's the same vocal take that I played you last time. 
I've been working on recording the vocals. I posted this video of myself uh, singing in the middle of the night. I put it up on my Facebook page, and some of you saw that and enjoyed that. Evan, I'm, I'm looking at you. <laughs> uh, but I don't have the final vocal take yet. I haven't quite nailed it, so I keep coming back and trying it again. I'll, hopefully, hopefully the next time I play you this song will be with a final vocal take, but we'll see how that goes. Anyway, this is it. Cosmic Child, work in progress, getting closer and closer to completion. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Uh, I hope that we have some people this week that have never listened before. Welcome. I'm, I'm so happy to have you. I should have welcomed you at the beginning, but, you know, I'm dumb. So <laughs> here it is at the end. But, yes, thank you so much for listening. I love you all. It's a pleasure. Pleasure. I'm having pleasure. Having fun. Pleasure time. Doing podcast show and scene.